So, hi. Hi. Uh, how do we start this? It's been so long. Yeah, um, Martin? Luke. Hello, listeners. Um, so this has been quite a while for any of our loyal listeners that's still there. It's been a while since we uh, recorded anything, and for that we have to apologise. We've had quite a busy family time over the last few months. Yeah. Uh, so this is part three. Part three of spying. Yes, and what's this one all about then? Uh, this is all about, you know, them Cold War spies oh proper spies like real james bond yeah because he's a legitimate spy yes so we're on that later (laughs) very good (laughs) so where uh so our last episode was about what was it about um bletchley park bletchley park yes and all that sort of alan Alan Turing. Yes, so that was what they would call SIGINT, uh, which was Signals Intelligence. And today we are going to be talking more about HUMINT, which is... Humus. <laughs> humus Intelligence. <laughs> is it humus or hummus? Or... Um, what, the dip? How do we pronounce yeah. the dip? Yeah. Um, I think we say hummus. Hummus. Yes. Neither of which are related at all to hum-int, which is human intelligence. human intelligence. So real spies, 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 spies. So I was going to... St- <laughs> so I was going to start off by talking a bit about a chap called Maxwell Knight, because I've been reading a book about him. Um, and he was known as MI5's greatest spy master. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. So he was one of the original M's. So, one you know. One of the original M's. Yes, you know, like. MI6. Uh, well, no, like M in um, Judy Dench's M in the um, James Bond films. Judy B. Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Judy Dench. Um, so the. Human intelligence, uh, Maxwell Knight. So Maxwell Knight um, started off spy rings just before the Second World War um, in the 1930s. And he was really focused on what he thought was the main problem of the day, which was, of course, Stalin. Stalin and the communists. So, yes, he thought he, he had a whole load of uh, spies. Um, he had one spy who was actually called Olga. Um, but she was called Olga White, and she was a... Um, wait, it's one quite second. a Russian-Spanish first name, Olga. and then a very Sorry. English second name. She was actually called Olga Gray. Olga Gray. I got my colours mixed up. But yes, you're quite right. Yeah. She had a totally... Um, she was totally British, and just happened to have a bit of a Russian-sounding name, although Spanish people well, also... Know, I'm called Otto, so... Exactly. Oh, you were and a I'm German totally spy. British. Nine. 
Um, but so she uh, she was one of his greatest spies um, and uh, she uncovered a load of communists who were, um, you know, pretending to just to be legitimate communists in Britain, but were sending um, information to the about Russians. Nuclear bombs. Uh, it was pre-nuclear bombs, but about um, weaponry. So they were spying inside the Woolwich Arsenal where they were making these incredible cannons for boats. Um, and so they were sending all the secrets back to the Russians. Um, and at the time, there was actually a very famous song about a spy called Olga. It was just a popular pop song. And uh, that her the people that she was spying on actually sang it to her <laughs> because um, and obviously she felt slightly uncomfortable, the fact that she would walk into the office and everyone would start singing this song about Olga being a spy. And Olga was actually a spy. But she was great, and uh, she was she uncovered all of this um, information that was being sent to the Russians, and she was a good example of the fact that Maxwell Knight thought that women made the best spies. What do you think? I don't think like uh, yeah, like a particular gender can have better. No, but maybe it's not the gender themselves, but it's the society's attitude to that gender. Yes, so people, especially in the 1940s. Yeah, people kind of didn't really think that women would be spies, so they trusted them a lot more. Um, but yeah, so she she was one of his his great spies. So he'd sort of put all of his um, efforts into being a, was into spying on the communists. Um, and in fact, he was possibly a bit of a Nazi or a bit of a fascist himself. Um, before he became a spy, he was legitimately part of some of the British Union of Fascist movements and that kind of thing. One of Maxwell Knight's best friends was somebody called William Joyce, who ended up being Lord Haw Haw. Have you heard of Lord Haw Haw? Um, I have, actually. Good. And who was he? He was... Um... A friend of Maxwell Knight's, mm -hmm. and he was a German spy. Yeah, well, he was more of a German defector. So he was a he was a British fascist who um, ran away to uh, Germany, possibly allowed to run away by Maxwell Knight. When he got to Germany, he started broadcasting to Britain um, in order to try and uh, demoralise the British. And he, he did famous um, radio programmes that were all in favour of Hitler and anti-Winston Churchill and so on. So sort of like anti-propaganda kind of? Well, no, yeah, propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, total propaganda. So the idea was to try and make the, the British think, oh, we're losing the war. So that was uh, Maxwell Knight. He was, um, you know, working before the war, um, trying to find communist spies and doing all this kind of thing. But then, oops, what happened? I don't know. What did happen? Who was the principal enemy in the Second World War? Was it Russia or Germany? It was Germany in the Second World War? Yes, it was. Yeah. Good. Uh, it yeah. was the English are all like, oh, no. We do have to watch, watch out for that Stalin, those communists. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly, oh, hello, my name is Adolf Hitler. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, the communist is very bad. Right. And that accent is from 
Lower Silesia? Nein. Nein? Ja. <lacht> yes. Sehr uh, schlecht. Sehr schlecht. Your accent? Sehr schlecht. Yes. For somebody called Otto. Yeah. So it turned out that the uh, Britain and Russia were fighting on the same side. So suddenly all the enemies weren't um, communists. They were Nazis and fascists. So Max von Arte had to change everything, um, and he did, and he did some really important spying during the Second World War. During the whole war, only one German agent managed to evade detection, um, and he actually uh, ended up running out of money and killed himself. So yeah, basically, the German spying that went on against Britain... It wasn't uh, great. It wasn't great. No, they really didn't get many spies going. Um well, you know, it says there's only one spy which went undetected. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are some spies which... Still undetected. That is the problem with a lot of these books that I've been reading about, is it when you're reading, writing history books about spies, Yeah. there's an awful lot that people don't know because they were... You know, slightly under acts of secrecy. Exactly. Signed contracts and, you know... If it was put in a book, then they could be tried for treason. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yes, there's one. You know, yeah. Laws, schmores. There's one woman who was actually spying for the Russians. Mm-hmm. She had been spying for the Russians for ages um, and uh, came out. And when she got caught, she sort of said in the 1990s, she said, oh, I've been a very naughty girl. Yes, there you go. Uh, Melita Norwood spied for Soviet Union from 1937 to 1999 when she was 89 and she was uncovered and she said I've been a naughty girl I've been a rather naughty girl Um, and she's actually you know if you think of all the famous spies and this is going to bring us on to the next section of the podcast um, all the famous spies you know that that were spying for the Soviet Union or your friends Um, and she's the one that nobody heard of but she's my friends. <laughs> Vladimir. <laughs> yeah, but she was the one that uh, nobody knows about, and she was actually the best spy of the lot of them. So, yes, so that was the um, situation during the Second World War. Um, actually, the, the, the Nazis didn't manage to spy on... Um, so uh, Maxwell Knight was a member of MI5, and they were the ones who were in charge of counter-espionage. So they were the ones who were catching spies, basically. Um, and um, MI6 were the spies themselves. They, they would be the ones who'd go off. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners, but I do have a very silly little boy next to me making funny faces. So now we are going to talk about that sort of classical Cold War spying. Um, and who do we know who were famous Cold War spies, Otto? James Bond. James Bond. <laughs> Classic Cold War spy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how realistic do you think he is? Oh, very, you know. What spy doesn't wear a suit and drives around an Aston Martin with missiles for headlights? Mm-hmm. It was basically uh, a documentary, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, so I think we both know that James Bond is about as unrealistic as you could be. He doesn't it's even about as realistic as Star Wars. Yeah, he doesn't even bother to change his name, does he? You know, if he was a famous spy, you'd think he didn't wouldn't go around the place going the name's Bond, James Bond. Maybe it isn't James Bond. Oh. Maybe it's Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne. 
<laughs> Another very realistic tale Plot of spying. Twist. Yeah. They're the same person. JB. Mm. But no, um, do you remember that film that we, well, that TV program we watched about the Cambridge spies? Yeah. Can, can you remember who they were? There was, um, I can't remember their names. I think something with Donald. Donald McLean. Donald McLean. Um, Philip. Kim Philby. Kim Philby. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the others. Uh, Guy Burgess. I can remember where I've seen their actors before. <laughs> right, what, Tom Holland? Tom, Tom Holland, Holland was Guy yeah. Burgess. No, Tom, Tom Holland. Yeah. yeah, there are two Tom Hollands. Yeah. One Tom Holland's the new Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Yeah, not that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then this Tom Holland, I also saw a Mission Impossible. Right. So. Again, another true story of spies. I think it was, yeah. yeah. I think Kim Philby, maybe that was him. I saw him in Suffragette. Oh, yeah. No, I think that was Donald McClain. That was Donald McClain. No, no, it wasn't Donald no. McClain. I remember who Donald McClain was. Right. This is a bit of a tangent. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so so the, 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 the Cambridge spies um, were, and I th- it's quite weird because there are only really four in that programme, but there was a fifth guy. But Kim Philby, Guy Burgess, Donald McLean, and Anthony Blunt. In fact, Anthony... Anthony Blunt, that was the one who was in Suffragette. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought that was quite funny. So... Anthony Blunt. Anthony Blunt was the one who went into the royal family. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they they really got themselves into very high positions. So they were recruited by a um, Russian agent while they were still at university. So they were sort of communists when they were at university. Yeah. But they were all quite posh. Um. And they. But they really believed in it. Um. And. Uh, they were recruited while they were at university and then continued spying forever. So Anthony Blunt, Anthony Blunt was actually recruited by Maxwell Knight and his NKVD, so the, the, the NKVD was like the KGB before it, so they're the Russian spies. Um, and his code name was Tony. Tony. Wasn't massively subtle, <laughs> given that his real name was Anthony. Oh gosh. <laughs> Tony. Is that, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so Burgess and McLean were, were the uh, two of the most important of, of those spies. Well, I think Kim Philby was the one who did most. Um, but Burgess and McLean were the ones that first sort of escaped to Russia and defected. Um, and they were an odd couple of spies. Burgess was the worst kind of spy you could imagine. He was an alcoholic and gay. And this was at a time when it was illegal to be gay. Well, that means that he was... Maybe a bit better hiding secrets. Uh, yes, but he wasn't. Do you remember him? He was the one who was always getting drunk and telling everybody everything. And he was oh, yeah. very and openly... he also told a lot of people, yeah. He was very openly gay. And obviously this was at a time when it was illegal to be gay. Um, so it was really not great for a spy to be gay. Because, you know, spy recruiters were look, would look for anything that they could use against a particular target to blackmail them into spying. As in, if you don't do so-and-so, we will tell your wife you are having an affair. Don't know what that accent was. So he would have been an easy target, you'd imagine. Um, he was also a loud drunk, the sort of person that would be rubbish at keeping secrets. 
Um, the British Secret Service really should not have given him access to all sorts of confidential documents and allowed him into the ranks of the establishment. And he worked for, I think, MI5 and MI6 um, and, you know, had worked for the BBC as well. Um, and they probably just thought that there was no way the Russians would be so stupid to sign this guy up. Um, McLean, on the other hand, was sort of the opposite. He was an alcoholic, but he was a quiet one. And he turned out to be the most excellent of spies, but he hated it, and he hated himself for doing it. Yeah. In in the TV show, he was quite a bad spy. Why? It's Kim Philby and Anthony Blunt were the better ones. Yes. Yeah. But no, he did pass loads and loads of documents. Yeah, but he he got caught for it. Ah, yes, he did get caught for it. But yeah, partly. Um, there wasn't it Kim Philby who snitched him out. Uh, no. No. No, but they they suspected Kim Philby after they caught after Donald McLean defected because he was Donald McLean, wasn't he? Just getting a bit worried that no, I'm mixing no, no, up. No, because um, because no, because in the thing they I remember Kim Philby was talking to the person who was like, "Oh, there's a spy in our ranks." Mm. Um, it was. It's either this guy, I don't know, I'm just going to say his name's Gary. 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 Yeah. Or Donald yeah. over here. Um, and then Kim was like, how would you describe these two people? And I was like, oh, um, Donald was like um, fair bohemian textured skin or something. Right. And then Kim Philby was like, oh, we got a letter the other day that there was a spy with fair bohemian skin. Right. Something else. Yes, but I think he tried to cover it up. Yeah, but then then he said... Once he'd already defected. Pardon? Because I think what they tried to do was that, you know, that was one of the advantages of them being posh. Yeah. Was that they knew there was a spy. Yeah. But they never suspected McLean because, oh no, he couldn't possibly be a spy because he's one of us. He's, you know, went to the right type of school, went to Cambridge. He couldn't be a spy. And they started, you know, looking at all the sort of servants and people in the Amer- the British embassy in in Washington. Yeah, because he was in the British embassy in Washington. Yeah, yes. And then so that's why they had to, that's why he had to defect because they, they did actually catch him. But obviously Kim Philby could cover up for them for quite a long time. Um, but then he was shipped off to Russia. Then he went to Russia. Yeah. But actually when he got to... He, Russia, yeah, he settled down again in Russia. Yeah. With his wife. Yeah. And was quite happy. Yeah. And he stopped drinking and he... And Guy Burgess also went to Russia. Yeah. But died. But died young because he the kept street. drunk. <laughs> yes, and he was really not happy. Nobody can really understand Guy Burgess's thinking, whereas Donald McLean was a real true communist. He really believed it was the right thing to do. Um, and as I was saying, you know, he hated himself for, for spying. Um, he said it's uh, like being a lavatory attendant. It's a horrible job, but somebody has to do it. He hated it, but he really believed in what he was doing. He really did want communism to take over the world. Um, Otto, we were talking about James Bond and the glamour. Mm. Um, and McLean's spying was mostly about handing over documents and photographing documents. Not very glamorous. The most James Bond thing he did was when he escaped to Russia with Guy Burgess. Do you remember that bit? Yeah. Escaped to Russia? Yes. 
So they had to suddenly escape to Russia and drive. They drove through the night and they got on this special ferry, which was a sort of tourist ferry that went to France. And because it was a tourist ferry, you didn't have to show your passport so they could jump on without their passports. And then once they were there, they, and they just abandoned their car in on the south coast of Britain. And that was about the most exciting thing they ever did. Hardly like total James Bond. Abandoning your car. Ooh. Um, yeah, so th those those guys were the sort of most famous um, spies in in the British um, system. But there, there was a, just you know, and because of them, the Brit the Americans became really suspicious of or worried about the British. So the British and the Americans were, you know, allies, and they shared shared all of their um, secrets with each other. But once that started happening, um, they really didn't think it was very good idea to share their secrets with the Brits but there was a there was this guy this American guy who was just as bad as them Aldrich Ames um, and he basically just did it for money yeah I mean there are all sorts of reasons that you you might want to do spying um, but um, money because you've been blackmailed because you actually genuinely believe in it um, and so what about have we seen any other let's talk about um what was the other spy film that we saw? Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been doing lots. So that was written by John le Carre. And I've been reading quite a lot of his books since we saw that film. What was the, was the, was the film about a glamorous James Bond type spying? No, it was about another sort of a mole in the, in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of based around the sort of Burgess and McLean, Philby and all that lot. Um, and because John le Carre had actually been a spy, he worked for MI5, yeah. um, and so did, so was Ian Fleming. Do you know who Ian Fleming is? Not the guy who just discovered Pence. Oh no, another Fleming. Oh. Who's Ian Fleming? He's the guy who wrote the James Bond books. Right. So there is a little bit of fact in those. And, you know, a lot of the, so obviously in James Bond, the machines and all the sort of gadgets that he gets are absolutely amazing. Um, but in real life, they did have little gadgets and things that they could use to spy on on people. Um, and yeah, so that was the, uh, I'm going to put in a quote from um, John le Carre about Berlin, because obviously Berlin was where a lot of the spying was going on, because Berlin was a sort of divided city. Did you know that? The, that yeah. You know, so Berlin was... Wall. Yeah. Like in um, the other one you watched, British Spies. Oh, yeah. About the lawyer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They had the American in Berlin, the American yeah. student in Berlin. Yeah. He sort of got trapped on the wrong side of the walls. Yeah. And they yeah. were building it. It was quite mad. They literally just yeah. built a wall in the middle of the city. Because Berlin was sort of, well, straight after the war, it was divided by the four great powers by between Russia and Britain, France and the United States. But then it was right in the middle of East Germany, but then half of it was West German. That book, uh, that film that you mentioned, The Bridge of Spies, that was quite interesting about the sort of morality of spying. Yeah. I mean, it must be a really weird thing to do is, you know, to betray your friends. Yeah. Um, to be living amongst all these people saying you're one thing. Yeah. For years and years and years and to be lying constantly. I wonder if it ever just becomes like a sort of a... Like you just get used to it. Yeah. Do you or think... does it like for you, does it always stay on your mind saying, I'm a spy, I'm a spy, I'm a spy. Yeah. Or, is it, or does it ever become just like 
you get used to just not telling your friends your spy or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yes, it, it, must, it must almost, you know, it, it must be very hard to remember who you are. Actually, um, Olga Gray, the person I mentioned before, she had a complete nervous breakdown at one point. Um, because obviously, you know, you do become friends with people. You want them to trust you. But so she, yeah, but you're lying no to them. reason to trust you. Yeah. It must, and it really must be a horrible thing to do. And But it was quite interesting in that Bridge of Spies was about, you know, is this person a hero or is this person a traitor? You know, if he's a spy, but he's working for his country or maybe for a um, something he truly believes in, is he a hero or is he a traitor? So somebody yeah. like Donald McLean, you know, he, he really believed in communism. Yeah. And he actually thought it would be a good idea for world peace that the Russians yeah. had the bomb. Com- communism, it's like, it's n- not the worst idea. No. Really, but it's never been done that well. Uh, that's what I would say. Not everyone would agree, but I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, it... general equality, everyone gets the same thing. Yeah. But it's a very hard thing to create. Yeah. And nobody. Well, and... the place where it's been done best would probably be China. Yeah, but no. No, but it had. It wasn't. It's not good there. And it's not. It's no longer communist. Is it? It's communist by name, but they, you know the capitalist society, communist politics, um, and you know Mao Zedong, who was the leader of communist China, kill, killed more people than Hitler and Stalin combined, probably. Some of it kind of whoops by mistake, but yes, yeah. So, but I mean, so this guy, he really did believe in communism. He thought that the best thing for the world would be for a communist takeover of the world. He also thought, you know, he he sold some of, or he gave some of the secrets about the nuclear bombs to the Russians, um, and that helped them develop the nuclear bomb. But he thought that was the best thing for world peace was if the Americans had got the bomb, then the Russians should have the bomb as well to stop them the Americans exploiting it. So this guy he spies on his own country and betrays his friends for something he believes is truly important and will change the world. Does that make him a hero or a traitor neither neither or both neither neither what do you think it makes him i mean i wouldn't say he's betraying his country Mm -hmm. because he's not sort of on the opposite side to them right russia wasn't on the opposite side of the uk but it wasn't really on their side either oh, no. sort of just their enemy's enemy that was during the war so that yeah. yes so all of those guys were really happy during the war because suddenly they've they weren't being traitors they felt yeah um it was quite funny actually during the war churchill said oh we better stop spying on the russians because they're our friends now but the russians were like <laughs> we're still spying on you my accents are all over the place um, yes, Winston. <laughs> yes, Winston. We are not spying on you at all. No, your secrets are safe with us. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, during the war they felt happy, but during the Cold War. Yes, Winston. We are not spying on you. Why would you accuse that? It's your daughter's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so, but so it was during a short time during the war. Yes, they were probably not being traitors, but they were definitely being traitors during the Cold War. I mean, Britain and America were the opposite of Russia. 
And yeah, so what, what do you think there? So I, I would say that he was, you know, a traitor to some and a, a hero to others. No, but I, I, I wouldn't say that he was really <coughs> trying to betray them. Like he wasn't saying, um, he was trying to, he was sort of going the wrong route to make things right. Yes, but he was definitely betraying his country, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say it's treason. But... Yeah, but possibly for a good motive, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't say call him a hero. No, but the Russians would call him a hero. Who really won the Cold War? Um, We did. Oh, yeah, because there was like the space race and, you know, yeah. got the moon. Uh, no, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> basically in 1989, yeah. um, the... You know, well, that's when communism started to fall. That's when they pulled down the Berlin Wall. Yeah. And so, you know, Russia is no longer communist, communist. but America and Britain are still capitalist. So, you know, America and Britain won the war, won the Cold War. Um, Wait, they're not communist, but are you still allowed to sort of speak out against the government? In Russia? Yeah. Ah, that's another whole story. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're not. You're they're not, not communist, but they are... Uh, a sort of dictatorship of Putin but it's Putinism nobody knows what his politics are just pretty nasty mm. um, but he, you see Putin was a spy Putin was a member of the KGB mm. so he, he comes from all of that background that's possibly why he's doing everything he's doing now because that's a what's that, he doing now? well we might have to do episode four <laughs> of our spying and modern day spying because now you, you know signals intelligence is amazing because it's all hacking and all that sort of thing yeah and so you know that's why what, what he's trying to do now is disturb the west and you know he helps brexit happen he helps trump get elected what better ways of disturbing the west which is what the you know the kgb had wanted to do for years the kgb you know the, were the yeah, yeah. russian spies yeah yeah, because the whole speaking out against the government. Yeah. In a lot of communists, like in China. Yeah. Um, I ha we had like an assembly. Yeah. And they mentioned a massacre, yeah. of a riot. Tiananmen Square. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a riot, which, if it ha if it was here, then there may have just been like one sort of community peace officer just sitting on a fence mm -hmm. just keeping an eye on keeping an eye on them mm -hmm. but there they brought in tanks yeah. and they shot down like all of the rioters yeah it was shocking because it was you know just at that time where all the the european communist countries were stopping being communist china just started well no china was for a long time but china was like no nah, we're not changing um and the, the you know the, yeah it's amazing. Have you seen that picture of the guy with the shopping bags and the tanks? Yeah. Yeah. Um, video of him moving in front of the tanks. Yeah, trying to stop the tanks. Yeah. Um, I don't know where we got Didn't there. Didn't he try to climb in to one of the tanks? No, I don't think so. No, but in the video, he got up onto the tank. Oh, right. And then he went up to the hatch and was like trying mm. to... Yeah, so, you know, to, from 1989, the communist country started falling. So it was a sort of great victory in, in the Cold War. Mm. One of the great, I think, one of the great ironies is that um, they didn't spot the fact. That the, so the CIA, you know, had, had thousands and thousands of spies all over the communist countries. Yeah. Nobody noticed that actually the whole thing was about to collapse. Cool. So I think we've probably recorded enough. Have you got anything more about Cold World spying to say? No, not really. 
Um, and uh, well, dear listeners, we are not sure whether this is maybe our last one. We have had uh, people clamouring for more episodes. Yes. Totally clamouring. One person okay. just said it a couple of times. So Rowena's, yeah. Rowena's quite keen for us to do another yeah. one. So this goes out to Shout Rowena. Shout out to Rowena. Yay. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we might do some more in the future. But this would be definitely the end of season one. Goodbye. Goodbye and but thank you for your time. <sighs> Major Curry of the 19th Pepperpot, their highnesses the Raja and Rani of Metamagusalam, Mademoiselle Olga Polovsky. By Gad, get onto the war office at once. It's Olga Polovsky. The scene is the military ballroom. The gallant and fair are the dancers. But who's the brunette who, with eyes black as jet, fascinates all the guards and the lancers? She's Olga Polovsky, the beautiful spy, the gay continental rapscallion. What a garrison of spies, Tom. What a cabinet full of useless, liquid secrets. What a playground for every alchemist, miracle worker, and rat piper that ever took up the cloak and turned his face from the unpalatable constraints of political reality. And, while on the and always at the centre, the great good American heart, bravely drumming out its honourable rhythms in the name of liberty, democracy, and setting the people free. In Berlin, the firm had agents of influence, agents of disruption, subversion, sabotage and disinformation. We even had one or two who supplied us with intelligence. Though these were an underprivileged crowd, kept on more out of a traditional regard than any intrinsic professional worth. We had tunnelers and smugglers, listeners and forgers, trainers and recruiters, and talent spotters and couriers and watchers and seducers, assassins and balloonists, lip readers and disguise artists. But whatever the British had, the Americans had more. Whatever the Americans had, the East Germans had five of it, and the Russians ten of it. The beef eater she bribed with kisses would willingly given her all the crown jewels that he lent them that night to the missus. Shame on you, shame on you, oh, bye-bye. Oh, the philosophy, you beautiful.